<clears throat> if I said that um, the Beatitudes of Jesus, uh, wh where would you go to find those? Matthew 5, uh, and that's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. Wonderful, that chapter 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. Have you ever heard the term, or have you ever heard it in the context of Beatitudes of Revelation? Have you? That's, that's good. Um, honestly, I'd never heard the, the Beatitudes of Revelation before that term applied to Revelation. Now, let me ask, and we're going to look at some of them in a second. First of all, what does beatitude mean? Blessed or happy. I really like the word happy, but it is blessed for sure, uh, but happy. And um, I'd like to, oh, I was going well, to ask the question, how many beatitudes of, in Revelation are there, would you guess, based on some of the numbers, some of God's favorite numbers? Well, that's a good guess. All those are good guesses. There are seven. I find that interesting, seven. Um, and the Lord says to be happy about or blessed about a lot of things. And I actually want to look at those just for a second. Go back to the first chapter in verse 3. A lot of them are in, are in, are in chapter 22, actually, but... Go back to Revelation, the first chapter. First chapter in verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. We'll talk about the time is near in a second, but um, notice the action words there. Talk to me. What are they? Reads, hears, keeps the things that are written. In other words, you've got to be, you be doers. You've got to hear what he says. And the New Testament's replete with that, about being hearers of his word. Faith comes by hearing, uh, hearing by the word of God from this book. So read, hear, and keep. Then... If you go to um, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, Revelation 14 and verse 13, notice who should be happy or blessed here. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, happy are the dead. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. You know, we don't think too much about uh, happiness of death or blessed are the dead. And, and generally speaking, there's a lot, a lot of truth to that if you're on the wrong side of that ledger. But he says, blessed are the dead who what? Who die in the Lord. That's the, that's the key. That's the key. So that's number two. Revelation 16 and verse 15. 16 and verse 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed or happy is he who watches and keeps his garments 
lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And then, of course, then they gather for, for Armageddon. So, um, so he says, happy are you if, if when the Lord comes, you find you watching. We've seen that several times in the, in the New Testament, some of Paul's writings and Peter's as well. Um, happy are you if, what is, what, is the, what is the bottom line there? Being prepared. Got to be prepared. We don't know when he's coming, do we? We don't. And that's probably a good thing in a lot of ways. We don't. Kind of like you know, if you knew the day you were going to die, you'd probably be worried sick 30 years before it happened. It, it's, it's good that we don't know those kinds of things. But he says, blessed are you uh, if you watch and keep your garments. What does that mean, keep your garments? Keep your garments spotless or white. Purity, that kind of thing. And, and what does that imply? Living your life in a wholesome, good, biblical way. Okay? So that's number three. Number four, 19 and verse 9. That's one we all know. <clears throat> then he said to me, <clears throat> pardon me, write, happy are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings. Happy are those who are called to the marriage supper. Now, who all are called to the marriage supper? Technically, everybody. Everybody. Not everybody's going to accept it, the invitation. What two choices do you have if you're invited to supper to somebody's house? You've got two choices. You can go or you cannot go. Your call, that's your choice, and it has consequences. So he said, blessed are those, or happy are those, who are called to the marriage supper. The implication being that you call and you accept his invitation. The fifth one, Acts 20, uh, Acts, Revelation 20 and verse 6. Revelation 20 and verse 6. Happy, or blessed, and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. <clears throat> Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. And we've talked about that, you know, the, the context. I, I think it's, um, we're all, if you're a Christian, we've all been resurrected um, once we're crucified with Jesus on the cross, Romans 6, no question about that. Implications seem to be that uh, those who have died already, they don't have to fear the, the, the second resurrection. If you're alive, do we have a reason to fear the second resurrection? You sure do. Because can you fall away? You sure can. If you're dead and you die in him, then you don't fear the, fear the second resurrection. Uh, so, so that would be number five. And then the next two are in, in the chapter we're in now. Uh, verse, uh, verse 7, 22 and verse 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Happy is he, blessed is he, who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So the Lord said, be happy. You'll be blessed if you keep the words of the prophecy of this book. We talked a little bit about that on Sunday. What does that imply? Keeping the words of the prophecy of this book. We have anything to do? 
Reading's fine. Um, being a scholar is fine. But you've got to keep the words of this book. So that's number six. And then the last one in verse 14. Happy are those who do his commandments, or blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So happy are those who keep his commandments. We'll see the implication of that the last two or three verses of chapter 22, won't we? Uh, what's the big deal about keeping his commandments? Well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about that? Old Testament, New Testament, has he always required us to do it his way? He has. But I, I know it says that, but no, no. So those are the seven beatitudes of Revelation, I, I, if you allow me to use that word. Um, now there's another seven. The word quickly implies immediate action, something that's shortly going to happen, and shortly is defined by, by Jesus. Not our shortly, but the implication is that, that things are moving, things are happening. You remember in Daniel 8, Daniel 8, after Daniel's vision, uh, what, did they, what did the Lord, what did God tell Daniel to do in, in 8? I believe verse 26, I don't have it written down, but I believe that's right. Daniel 8, verse 26, what did the Lord say to the, about sealing? Sealing up what he had seen and what he had revealed. Did he say to unseal it or seal it back up? Seal it back up. Why? It's not time. It's not time. What did he say even in chapter 22 about sealing? He said, don't seal it back up. These things are about to take place in a short time. So <clears throat> immediate action. Uh, go back to, we'll do it fairly quickly. One, chapter 1 and verse 1. We, we, Sean hit, the, hit on this at the very beginning. <clears throat> 1 and verse 1. Of the revelation of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. Shortly take place. And then down again in verse 3. Blessed is he who reads, we just read this one, and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Same idea. Time is near. Uh, 22, and the rest of them are actually in 22. 22 in verse 6, um, he says, things that must shortly take place. Verse 7, behold, I am coming quickly. Same idea. Uh, verse 10, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand, time's near. And verse 12, and behold, I am coming quickly, and I'm bringing my reward with me. We'll touch on verse 12 in a little bit. And then in verse 20, <clears throat> he who testifies to these things saying, says, surely I am coming quickly. And what was John's reply to that? Come, Lord Jesus. I'm sick of this. Come on. Come on. And we have to ask ourselves, and only you'll know this or only I'll know this, when we look in the mirror, when we lay down tonight, 
can you, can I honestly say 100% Lord come quickly even so, amen can you say that? that that's honesty 101 there isn't it so think about that one because if the answer is I don't know um, then you might, might want to do a little self-reflect. I've been there, been there. Questions, comments on the, the two sevens. Sevens, now he mentions quickly a couple other times, but it was a different context. When he talked about, I think it was a book, the, the church at Ephesus, and maybe, see, Thyatira or Sar, I can't remember, Sardis, where he says, repent or I will come quickly and remove your candlestick or remove my approval of that church. So it's the same word, but it's not doesn't mean the same as this, I'm coming quickly uh, in, in the entire book. I saw a hand, a Gary. I would like to say I, in all my brilliance, I thought of that. <laughs> I did not. But I have a lot of books that I read, and I read that in one of the, I think it was maybe, I can't remember now, but it's one of, one of those books. But then I got to digging then. You don't, you don't, <clears throat> Lord doesn't say we've got to be original thinkers. And if you can, somebody can give you an idea and you go to work with it, then and you know the definition of originality. It's just forgetting where you got it. So in that sense, we're all original, I guess. Go ahead, Dennis. Who? Oh, I don't know. Could be. Could be. Yeah, that, that could be, Dennis. In, in the book of Revelation? No, I understand that. Yeah, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Yeah. But is there, we're so, okay. Okay. But I'm just saying in the context of Revelation. Oh, I know. We've had lots of lessons on the word blessed. And, okay. All right. That's good. So I got it from Don. And that's okay with me. Don's a lot smarter than I am. So uh, I don't mind uh, plagiarizing from Don or Ken or whoever else. I just found it interesting. I found it interesting that there were seven. I don't know. I don't think that's accidental. And the seven times mentioning I'm coming quickly. I don't think that's accidental either. But you have to kind of dig. You know, Lord doesn't always put a, you know that there's seven of these. No, you have to use your brain housing group and do a little research. Do a little research. Okay. So, did I answer that question, Gary? It's not mine, but well, I stole it. It almost sounded like a memory exercise somebody was doing. Could be. It, it, it could be. I, I just don't recall. But that's a, that's a good question, fair question. Anybody else got anything? Okay. Then <clears throat> let's look at, drop down to about verse, um, well, let's just start at verse 12. 
I know this is 15, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But, and behold, I am coming quickly, just read it, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Lance, would you turn to 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7 when you get there. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 and 7. The Lord says, I'm coming quickly. And Paul told the Thessalonians, it's going to come, going to come very quickly. It's going to be a surprise, like a thief in the night, Jesus said. And I'm bringing my reward with me. Go ahead, Lance. <clears throat> That's a two-edged sword, isn't it? When I come quickly, I, my reward's with me. What about the ones according to what Paul said to Second, Second Thessalonians? What do you say in verse six again, Lance? <clears throat> it's a righteous thing. Yeah, it's a righteous thing to what? Repay. Yes. Yeah, to repay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's a righteous thing. We say, well, a, a loving God couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't. Uh, consign people to hell. Uh, Paul said it's a righteous thing for him to do that. Justice, what? We see that in our country now. There's no justice unless there's punishment. You think that's true? It's the same way here. If, if there were no punishment for, for evil deeds, what does that encourage? More evil deeds. We see that in our cities, and, and God understands that. He understands that, Lance. It's not mercy unless you deserve the punishment. That's a good point. That's a good point, too. <clears throat> but then he goes on to say in verse 7, go ahead and do that again, Lance, please. That's a, such a good verse as those two. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty name. To give those that are troubled rest. There's rest coming. There's rest for the weary. There's rest for the troubled. There's rest for the beleaguered. There is rest for the persecuted then and now. I'm afraid sometimes we kind of get that reversed. We want to rest now and expect to be. It doesn't work that way. You have to work now while, while it's day because the night's coming when no man can work. We have to work now. Okay, any, any, anything on, on those, those two verses? Sure. That's right. The problem is what? It's going to be too yeah with man, but it's going to be too late then, because he says every knee will bow and recognize Jesus as their Lord. The problem is it's going to be too late for the vast majority. There are no second chances. No second chances. Good point. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. We've talked about the gates and the, the, the mental picture, the, 
uh, symbology of, of, of the gates and all the beauty of heaven. Then almost a parenthetical kind of thing inserted here. But outside, outside what? Outside the city, outside of God's good graces, outside of uh, safety. Remember we talked about the walls, where the safety was. They're on the outside. Outside are dogs. We'll talk about that. And sorcerers and sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. It's an almost an, oh, oh, by the way, all these wonderful things. And by the way, verse 15. The word dogs there is from the Greek word, I couldn't uh, understand, or, uh, pronounce it, quan maybe, quan. Um, and it indicates, it means the word, according to Thayer, sodomites. Sodomites, sexually immoral. The, and the idea is, according to Thayer, those who practice immorality for money. He said that these dogs, these sodomites, these, these folks who, who charge more money for sexual favors, they're not going to be there. And he calls them dogs. And you can look at uh, 2 Peter 2 and verse 12 and, and get an idea about that. Um, it's interesting, too, that in that uh, verse is the word sorcerer. We've talked about that maybe back chapter two or chapter three uh, with one of maybe Ephesus, I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, sorcerer from the word, we get our word pharmacy. Pharmacy, drugs. Uh, it also has the idea of magic, sometimes induced by illicit drugs, uh, witchcraft, all of those kinds of things. He said, There's, they're not going to be there. They're not going to be there in, 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 uh, in this city. Murderers. Well, we would all guess that one, wouldn't we? Not going to be any murderers there. Well, it gets a little stickier than that when you look at other Chapters and other verses and other books. Uh, Gary, you, you got a loud voice. If you would turn to 1 John 3 and verse 15. We all know this, but I'd like for, I'd like for you to read it if you would. Murderers. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Everyone who hates his brother or sister. What does it say, Gary? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And where are they not going to be? Not going to be in the city. Hatred, grudges, that kind of thing. Be real careful with that. Because he said, you're not going to be there. Not going to be there. Even Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, did he not? Somebody want to paraphrase that? He said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. 
It's also the area where it said, if you look on to a woman to lust after her in the past, you had to do it. Now, if you look on her to lust after her, you're the same as what? Adulterer. What are these things? These I didn't shoot anybody. I didn't kill anybody. But I hate this person. What's that a sin of, basically? So, somebody? Not loving? You know, all those things we talked about, holding grudges and, and so on. He said, just be careful with that. Well, they didn't treat me right. So? They didn't treat Jesus right either, did they? Now, keep in mind, it's easier said than done, is it not? <laughs> I'll be the first one. Easier said than done. But I'm just telling you what, you can read it yourself, what he said, that you, you can't do that. An idolater, one who worships there, one who worships anything or any person other than God. Now we see the Old Testament, just so many examples of, of, of worshiping literal idols, dumb idols, the prophets call them. But with this idea, what can become an idol? Money, job, who? Sports, could be, could be. Anything other than God. Anything other than God. Uh, and and that's, that's very antiseptic up here, anything other than God. Let's get it down to where you live, where I live. It's not as, not as clean and antiseptic down there, is it? It could be anything that stands between you putting God first and putting something else first. Lisa. It could be a thing or it could be a person, Lisa said. And she's right. Have you ever heard this one? I, wasn't, I didn't come to church or worship services on Sunday because I had family from out of town visiting. Okay. What did you just put above God? It's your call on that one. But that's just what it says. A person, a place, I guess maybe, we'll call it a noun. Anything that's a noun that comes before you and God. Uh, go ahead, Scott. Okay. I like that. Scott said, maybe even your religion could be Idolatry. Help me out there, Scott. Could, could be, you know, for show, for show. Uh, you know, I did not have it on my list, Scott, but I really liked that a lot. Well, I don't like it, but I mean, it's, uh, it's the truth. It's the truth. 
when you put even religion, your religion, your religion, or your family's religion above what's revealed here. Jason. Self, isn't it? I don't normally post things on Facebook, but Saturday's our 50th anniversary. I'm going to post some pictures now so y'all just get used to it. <laughs> and it'll be a long time before I post any more. But I've got five or six, they're going on. <laughs> Anybody put up with me for 50 years, boy, deserve some pictures on Facebook. Uh, go ahead, Tony. You could, you you could in, in, in these different contexts that we've talked talking about, um, and I've got one little note here, but there are others. Colossians three five says, "Covetousness is idolatry." Covetousness. Well, that's back to Jason's word, self. If self, uh, can yourself become an idol? Yes. Yeah doing what I want to do when I want to do it because it's not convenient. Well, I'm telling you, hanging on a cross wasn't convenient either. Yes. Talked about Naaman. Scott mentioned Naaman. And what did Naaman say? Behold, I thought. He would come out and all of these things. And, and then that little servant girl said, if he if had done some big great thing, would you have done it? Yes. The implication is, can you do the simple thing? And once he did, what happened? He obeyed God. He was obedient and God healed him. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a, verse 15 can hit pretty close to home if you're not careful. Uh, Miss Nicole. Oh, oh, go ahead, Doug. I'm sorry. I missed it. That's true, too, but he needs our help, doesn't he? Well, we worry about a lot of stuff. It's hard not to at times, but he's still on his throne. He's still as powerful as he's ever been. Now i got five minutes, so Don, then we're moving. Colossians chapter 2 is everything that you've been talking about, from the vain philosophies of men, of Doug, all the way through the will worship. It's talking about that that way. Yep. 
No, that's right. Will worship. Will worship. And that's back to Tony's point. Will worship. Worship God? No. Worship self. And worship the way I want to. When I want to do it. That's right. Um, David, j just an oh, by the way, let me, with only five minutes, I may have to cut this a little bit shorter than I intended, but that was a wonderful conversation there and with some great ideas. And if we stop now, we've had a good night. And some of the things I had not thought of, honestly. David said, I'm the root and the offspring of David. Who did Jesus come from, lineage-wise? We know the answer, but we're from a physical lineage, came through from David, didn't he? And you can go to Psalms 89, uh, Genesis 49, talks about the throne of David and that the Messiah would come through the throne of David. So he's saying, you know, you guys know the old law. This is me. I'm from the root of David. And the bloodlines, I found that interesting. Matthew 1 and Luke 3, I was hoping I had a little time, but you can do that on your own. Um, you remember, real quick, Uriah had a wife named Bathsheba. David had him killed, and he married Bathsheba. David had a lot of wives, or several wives, let's put it that way, and some concubines, and he had children, lots of children. And through Bathsheba, he had four. And two of them were Nathan and Solomon. When you go to Matthew 1 and Luke 3, and I don't remember which without looking, one of them comes through Nathan's side. One of them comes through Solomon's side. You know, Rehoboam and all that. Um, bloodline. So Jesus is saying, I can trace my lineage. I'm the root and offspring of David. And oh, by the way, um, 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations and 14 generations. Very specific. And that's an interest. Sometimes you just kind of gloss over all those. Dig into them a little bit. It's kind of interesting where, where it comes from. Uh, the bright morning star, it's a new day. Sometimes you hear it's a, it's a new day, a bright and morning star. A new day is beginning. And now let's, um, let's get to verse uh, 18, 19 real quickly. And 20 even. We've touched on 20 a little bit. For I testify you who, who hear the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. Is it serious to add to God's word or take away from God's word. Just what like Scott was talking about. It is. We're worshiping self. Tony, I got to move. I'm sorry. Uh, but thank you. Uh, we can't add to this word. We can't take away from this word. There are implications. And God is always in the Old Testament. See that you do it. Doug mentioned this the other day. See that you do it according to the pattern. That's for our learning. What did uh, Paul say in the Galatians 1, verse 8, was it 6 and 8 or 8 and 10, um, about, though we are an angel from heaven, 
preach any other word unto you than what's been preached to you, let even that angel be what? Accursed. Angels don't have a right to change this, and neither do we. And it doesn't matter about great-grandma or grandma or whatever, and we've all got them in our family. Wonderful people who died, but they didn't have this. They added to or they took away from, from his word. And he says, you can't do that. I mean, you can, but, but it's not going to work for you at the end. Because he said, if you do, I'll take your name out of my book. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So let it be. It's okay. Come on. And then we had a lesson on that Sunday. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And that's God's last, final, written, spoken word to us until the judgment day. You know, a last comment now, maybe. Anybody? James, and we'll quit. It's a warning sign. It's a stop sign. It's a be careful sign. It's a school zone sign. Slow down. Be careful. You're entering to a zone where you don't want to go. God says, I wrote it, and you have no right to change it. Well, you know, it's been 2,000 years. Times change, really. I don't... I'll tell you who doesn't change. God, and if we say times have changed, it's, well, what's the implication of that to him, about him? He's outdated. He's outdated. Uh, he should have thought of that. Oh, you want to say that? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Thank you, and uh, Sean will be on Sunday, and next Wednesday we'll have two review classes, and then we'll start in, in the book of Genesis. Thank you.